Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Philly Bandwagon Podcast. Ryan Michaels here with your boy, Chip Tiernan. What it do? Today's episode is bittersweet. Bittersweet because the Sixers choked away a game that they could have won. And there were just some decisions by Doc Rivers that I can't comprehend. It was bad. It was, um, I mean, really the only good thing that came out of it was the second quarter. Uh, every other quarter, basically, was uh, was pretty bad. Uh, they started off the game pretty poorly, um, and they kind of fought their way back in in the second, actually ended up taking the lead at halftime, and then third quarter was a disaster, and the fourth quarter, it was basically over at that point. So, you know, I mean, Doc did some things. I, I think this game, game one especially, he was kind of experimenting a lot, with, especially without Embiid. Um, but, I mean, some of the lineups just did not work, um, especially when DeAndre Jordan was out there. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, I kind of, I mean, me and you both, we kind of hate coming on here and, and kind of just blaming one person, but, I mean, DeAndre Jordan was the bad. The stats didn't lie, though. He's bad. And, you know, with the amount of time that DeAndre Jordan played, he had a very similar plus-minus to Tobias Harris. And we've talked about this before, the debate between plus-minus and basketball, whether it's as relevant as, say, a sport like hockey. When you're only playing 15 to 18 minutes, if that, and you have a similar plus minus as someone who played 30 plus minutes. Yeah. That's, that's on you. Yeah. It, it, I mean, Niang was plus six, I think. Yeah. And obviously he played, he played really badly. He couldn't hit anything yeah, he wide hit. open or not. Yeah. I mean, we, it was just a combination of things, you know, we couldn't, I mean, we could not hit the three for our lives. But again, you I can't thought, win games shooting six for 34, was it? Yeah, whatever it was. I don't know what it was. It was something ridiculous. But I, I, to me, I thought the defense played pretty well for, for most of the game. They kind of gave up near the end because it was over anyway. But for the most part, I thought they played well. Um, but they just couldn't hit their open shots. Um, Danny Green missed a bunch of open threes. George Niang was over. Um, seven over seven. Yeah. Um, Tobias Harris was two for seven. Yeah. Tobias Harris continues to play really well. Um, so whatever he's doing, just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, you know, he's being aggressive. He's playing great defense. You know, he scored, he's scoring clutch buckets. I mean, just whatever he's doing, just keep doing that. Um, this is the annual Tobias Harris apology tour. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, whatever he's on, you know, keep him up, but, I don't know. Um, you know, Tyrese Maxey has, has yet to take over a game like he like he sometimes does. Um, same thing with James Harden. Stupid shots, too. Early in the shot. Yeah. Clock that just yeah. aren't falling. Is and that, that's, that's, that's looking like the Sixers under Brett Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Just that, that's what I see. Because I remember me and you used to just complain, why the hell are we putting it up with 20 seconds left on the shot clock? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason for it. Um, you know, there's no reason, I mean, unless you're on a fast break, there's no reason to just pull up from three, you know, as soon as you, as soon as you cross half court, there's no reason for it. 
Um, I mean, if a guy's hot, sure, you know, peachy, go ahead. But you know, guys are doing it when you know you're, you're going on when the Heat are going on 11-0 runs, and you're doing it when you can't score a bucket with a layup, but you're taking threes. So I, I don't know. We'll get into the rotations. That's uh, one of the main just overall confusing factors of the game. What seemed to work just stopped happening. And by stopped happening, I mean wasn't implemented at all in the second half. And we'll we'll talk about that. Let's save that for the bulk. But let's get to the sweet moment. The Eagles had one hell of a draft. And I have great news for one person Mm. in Philadelphia Sports Nation. Not only has he crawled his way entirely off of my hate list, Hmm. but his potential island tickets have been ripped up. I would say so. I'm speaking of Howie Roseman. Yep. He, He was in line for future president and dictator of the island. Wow. But you know what he did? He had a change of heart. He did. And he listened. Over the past two years, He has been drafting like an animal. Yeah, man. I mean, that that was his weak point, right? I mean, we always knew that he was a good, uh, you know, negotiator when it came to uh, contracts. Uh, he was always a good trader. He's always been a financial wizard when you think yeah. of that. Yeah, I mean, he's always been able to, to stay under the cap or, or whatever it may be. but Move contracts around. One, his one Achilles heel was always the draft. Um, you know, he, I mean, again, he, he, he has made some picks that have worked out, but a lot of the time they did, or, you know, he passed on a better player uh, or, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, you guys know the deal, but I will say so far, these last two drafts have been very uplifting. Um, you I, know, I completely year, agree. I mean, yeah. I mean, last year, you know, you got Devontae Smith. He's your number one receiver. You got Landon Dickerson, future left guard of the future. You got Milton Williams, you know, rotational to potentially starter in the future at defensive tackle. I mean, every every player from last year's draft played at least one game last year, which is it's rare. That doesn't happen a lot. And then this year. You go out. You trade up for a guy you really want in Jordan Davis, who's a f- I don't I don't think Freak even does him justice. He's a he's a menace. He athlete. is a huge. He's man. a map of a man, and he ran a four seven eight. He's six foot six, three hundred and forty pounds. Now he doesn't play at three forty. He plays heavier than that. But at the combine, he went three forty and ran a four seven eight. So which is just unheard of. So you go out, get him, you trade up. Then, like a half hour later, probably less than that, you trade your first round pick and another third for one of the best young receivers in the NFL in A.J. Brown. He's 24. 24. And he's arguably Jalen Hurts' best friend. On top of it, you sign him to a four-year extension. Right. And then... You go out and get Jason Kelsey's heir apparent, which he is completely down for. He loves it. 
he ain't getting any younger, and I think he knows it. Oh, he knows it. He definitely knows it. He was contemplating retirement this year, and then Nick Sirianni gave him a K. That, that was a pretty that was a pretty baller move, honestly. And when you're when when a guy comes in who's getting replaced says that he loves it, then you know you got something right. And then to top it all off, in the third round you get a guy who was a top twenty player in in the draft in the Kobe Dean, which is also detracting from what we're used to from Howie Roseman, where he completely devalues the linebacker position entirely. Exactly. Exactly. Now it it wasn't the third. I will say that, but it's a top twenty player. If whatever that. I don't know what happened, what what that injury rumor was, but some people were saying that he's going to miss the year, and he's coming out and saying that's just not true. I strained my pec. What? Well, listen, there there was some serious uh, injury concerns. Now I think the concerns come from the fact that he's had a lot of them, and it's been recent. Like the, there was the pec, there was the shoulder issue. I think there was a, I think there was an ankle or knee issue. So that kind of turned some teams off. Also. His size. He's only 5'11. He's only about 230. But he played for a Georgia team that was phenomenal, by the way. And they played against the best of the best. He was the captain of that defense. National championship defense, by the way. And the reason he was so successful is because Georgia's defense up front is phenomenal. So he didn't have to, you know, go up against offensive lineman and the same thing could you could be said about the eagles like their front is still really good so he's not gonna have to go up and you know especially in the run game he's not gonna have to go up and face these humongous offensive linemen because they're gonna be dealing with jordan davis and fletcher cox and javon hargrave and milton williams and josh sweat and brandon graham and Hassan reddick he can be free to to be that you know that quarterback of the defense which he was so I thought it was a phenomenal pick. And when that I think John Dornboss made the made the pick uh, when he, he announced it. And I'm just like, this is weird because I'm not used to the Eagles, especially when a guy falls. I'm not I'm not used to the Eagles going and getting him. And it was just it was phenomenal. I think that was more evidence of how he not trying to be the smartest man in the room exactly. and just making the right decision. And, yep. you know, the thing is, too, sometimes you make the right decision and it doesn't pan out. But it was the right decision at the time. And if anyone looks back at that and says that's a bad pick, they're lying to your face. Because if and there's a lot of ifs, like you said, with injury concern. But if he is able to stay healthy and he is able to play to the best of his abilities, like we've seen him yep. at Georgia, that's the steal of the draft. And on that note, we're going to talk about the rest and evaluate the draft in the main bulk of the podcast, but I got nothing left. What you say, Chippey? Cue the Rocky music. You're listening to a Philly Sports Nation production. Enhancing your Philly sports experience.
love some birds, baby. I'm audible. Birds. You got to start it off. Go birds. Birds. Go birds. We were originally going to talk Sixers first, but it just felt natural to say, let's get in the huddle and talk some birds. Go back. Go back. So let's go over every single pick. You can give them your grade since you're the draft guru out of the two of us, and we'll give our overall grade. Uh, in round one, the Eagles traded up to take Jordan Davis at 13. Yeah. Now, they gave up a few draft picks, but they were able to keep their two first next year, which is the big thing. Yep. Um, what, what would you grade that trade up first? Um, I would give it a the trade itself. I would give it an A minus. Okay. Um, they gave up obviously their their first round pick they traded down with. Uh, they gave up a fourth, I believe, and two fifths. Um, you know, I mean, it's not you know, it's nothing crazy. Um. I would have liked to have maybe one more player taken in the draft, but I mean, beggars can't be choosers here. So, I mean, it, it was it was a good trade. I mean, they they knew what they wanted. They had to trade up in front of Baltimore, who definitely wanted them. Um, so, you know, I have no problem with it. So, for for the value that we got for Jordan Davis at thirteen, are do you believe that that trade made it worth it? Yeah, I mean, again, it's some it's someone Howie and the front office really loved. It's somebody that, again, is a just a freak of an athlete, and it's a it's a position that is valued by the front office immensely. So again, I understand. I mean, I I, I love the pick. Um, you know, he he's going to learn from Fletcher Cox. He's going to learn from Javon Hargrave. Um, but he's not the best pass rusher. But again, you know, you're coming in learning from those two guys, you know, especially Hargrave who had a breakout year last year, had like six sacks or whatever it was. So, you know, he's going to be taught from guys who know how to do it. And, you know, at that size, I mean, <laughs> you may not even need him to rush the, rush the passer. I mean, he's going to be a phenomenal run defender. He's just going to eat blocks. I mean, yeah, it, it was someone that they valued a ton, and they went out and got him. So I have no problem with it. I, I think it's a great pick, and, you know, shout out to, to the front office for getting the deal done and go up and getting the guy that they love. Now, this is, uh, next thing is just a hypothetical, but is there a possibility that they were actually looking to draft Jamison Williams and the Lions just snuck in front of them? There definitely was. There was definitely, yeah, there was, there was pre-draft hype, especially a couple of days before that they love Jamison Williams. Um, I think, you know, when, I mean, they, they bring these guys in for interviews and I think, you know, I think he nailed it and I think the Eagles really loved them. And, um, but you know, you can't, I mean, in a, especially in a draft, you know, you, as a team, you got to have multiple guys circled who you're willing to take at your spot. So, you know, the, the lines did their homework. They, they knew the Eagles were a team that had very high interest in Jameson Williams, and they made the necessary move to go up and get him because they were another team that really liked them too. So, 
And don't get me wrong, I'm not mad about the Jordan Davis pick whatsoever. I think he's going to fit in really well with the Eagles. And yeah, he is a massive human being. He is he's going to be working with Fletcher Cox, which I think is going to be great for him. I don't think Fletcher Cox is going to be around after next year. So, yeah. you know, uh, let's let's move on to the next pick, which was traded away. And I'll, I'll give the stage to you for this one. Yeah, it's traded away. Um Traded away with a third round pick in order to acquire AJ Brown. I mean, completely out of nowhere. And that was a blind side. I did not see that coming, but I was looking at the screen. We were watching the draft together and I just started screaming, Tennessee, 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 which then changed to AJ Brown, AJ Brown, AJ Brown. Yeah. Well, cause so we were watching NFL network and they have, a list of the next teams coming up at like for the next like 15 picks. So Tennessee, their original pick is at 26. So I thought at first that Tennessee traded up with us and we moved down to 26. Cause I, that's what I thought was going to happen. Like we traded up to get Jordan Davis. I'm like, okay, how we might trade down to recoup some of the picks that he lost in the, in the trade up. But Tennessee popped up at 18, which is where we were, and Tennessee stayed at 26. So I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then you said A.J. Brown. I'm like, wait a minute. There's no shot we just traded for A.J. Brown. And that was the moment where I kept spoiling the picks for Ryan, and he was like, just stop looking at your phone. Just stop. I'm like, okay, fine. I really wanted to look at my phone, but I didn't. And it finally came up on the bottom ticker where, you know, news comes up and it said Eagles trade 18 and 101 whatever it was to Titans for wide receiver AJ Brown and I lost it I I mean I can't I can't even I just was elated I I just I, I still can't believe that how he did that I mean a video came out like 20 minutes later of Mike Vrabel hearing the news that they traded AJ Brown and he was pissed. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know how it, it, it got done, but I'm, I'm elated. Even A.J. Brown himself said it was bittersweet for him, which yeah. is going to be the theme of this episode, I guess. Right. But they only offered, I think it was $16 million. He won at 22 And the Eagles were willing to pay more on top of it. And yeah. I guess the Titans had to make a business decision there. Yeah, they, you know, they, they decided that that was too much for them. And uh, they used actually the pick the, the Eagles gave them and traded uh, uh, drafted, excuse me, uh, Traylon Burks, who uh, the NFL Network guys kind of compared Traylon Burks to, to A.J. Brown. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was just something they weren't willing to do. And uh, the Eagles obviously were. I mean, how he said it, how he said that. Uh, if we didn't get a deal done that he, that he wouldn't have done the trade. Um, so they had, they had the, you know, deal, uh, they had the contract, you know, all settled and then the trade happened. So, you know, just, uh, unbelievable trade, huge, absolutely huge for the offense, huge for Jalen Hurts himself. Um, and you know, now it's, now it's on him to, you know, make this offense work. I do want to talk Jalen Hurts after this, and let's just get through the remainder of the draft as there's only a few more picks that are really worth yeah. talking about. Um, 
not just worth talking about, but in general. Yeah. Uh, okay, so after that monster trade, we move on to day two, yeah. and the Eagles take a center. Yeah. Now, a lot of people were expecting a corner, so what's your – we're not going to grade a trade. It's a trade. It's different. But well, what's your grade on that pick at, the, at that point? for uh, Jason Kelsey's heir apparent. I think it's an A. I love it. I love the I love the pick. You know, I get the corner safety situation. I get it. You know, I I get we still didn't really address it. But at the top of the second round, corners and safeties were just flying off the board. I mean, you're talking you know, Andrew Booth Jr. flew off the board. Kyler Gordon flew off the board. Roger McCreary, those are three guys that I would have been elated with. Um, safety, you know, Jalen Petrie was off the board. Um, Lewis Seen went to, at the back end of the, of the first round. Um, you know, other guys too. But the value for those positions weren't weren't there. So, you know, he how he decided to not reach and get a guy who – some people thought was the best center in the draft. I mean, I know a lot of people thought Tyler Linderbaum was the best center, but a lot of, I mean, apparently some guys had Cam Jurgens as their best center in the draft. So, you know, he decided to get Jason Kelsey's heir apparent um, and not, not force uh, a move where you had to reach for a corner or a safety, you know? So he got, he, he got great value in my opinion. And um, he got uh, some insurance for, for Kelsey. And uh, even if he does sit the year, uh, there's obviously injuries that happen. This is Philadelphia after all. So yeah, there is a possibility that he does get some playing time if there are any injuries. Yeah. Um, he said, uh, Howier said he could play some guard as well. So if the guard goes down, like see Amalu or, or Dickerson, then you could see Jurgens out there. So let's talk about – Pick number three, Nicobe I mean, Dean. Phenomenal. Just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, this pick's an A-plus. Um, you know, people are going to say the injury thing. People are going to say the size thing. I, I don't care. He's a good football player. That's what it comes down to. I, I mean, you know, if you're good at football – then I don't care how much you weigh or how tall you are. And that's what he is. He we, we said it early. The kid played on a national championship team. If you're playing on a national championship team, A, in the best conference in college football, B, with a, a, a team that was just absolutely stacked with NFL talent. I mean, we got two of them. Um, and that's not even... You know, that's not even close to how many guys that got drafted. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure it was a record for how many guys got drafted by Georgia or who were all in Georgia. But I mean, he was the he was the captain of that defense. I mean, he he called the plays, you know, he he was in the middle of everything. He was the quarterback of the defense, and that's what we need him to do here. Um, so I mean, you're getting a you're getting a top twenty player at pick eighty three. So, I mean and, you know, especially, I mean, even if there is injuries, you're getting him in the third round. Who cares? It's a top 20 player. 
I don't care if he misses all this year. I mean, he's still got a great player. So great player, but, great value. This was a no brainer. I was surprised the Eagles actually did it. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I love the pick. It's, it was, it's probably their best. It, I mean, it's not, it, it definitely is their best pick of the draft. All right. So that takes care of the first three rounds for the birds. And at this point, we're still at an A. Um, I mean, you have the one A minus because of the trade, but yeah, two A's and an A minus. I'll give them an A. Yeah. All right. So moving down the line, we traded away. Do we have a fourth, or did that end up being a fifth? We had. I'm pretty sure we had a fifth. And yeah, then, there were so many moves, too, that everything that I had lined up just changed up, too. So, hold on. I'll uh, add. Uh, we had two six. So we had. So in the in the Texans trade to trade out, we gave up two of our fifth round picks. We had three of them total. Then. I, yeah, we, we got the two six. That's right. And then the fifth, we traded back to get two sixths. And then we and, didn't. With 181, we took Kyron Johnson out of Kansas, another yeah. linebacker. Uh, yeah, he. I mean, I, I I didn't know much about. I didn't really know him at all, if I'm being honest with you. Um, but I looked him up. I did some research on him. Uh, he's not really your off-ball type of linebacker. He's more of an edge guy, uh, but he's a little undersized. So they're probably gonna, you know, probably gonna beef him up a little bit. You know, get some weight on him. Um, he's kind of, he kind of is going to play that Hassan Reddick role. I'm sure. I mean, he'll probably be the second string or third string, you know, position where what Hassan Reddick plays basically. Uh, I mean, it's, it, he's like a hybrid edge, but he can play off the ball. Um, he didn't play off the ball a ton at Kansas. He did more edge rushing, which is probably what he's going to do. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm seeing him as that kind of Hassan Reddick hybrid uh, linebacker type. Okay. I mean, obviously when you're getting drafted this late, this is a developmental player. So we're, we're going to see exactly what the team does and if they're able to develop the game. Definitely. And now the second sixth round pick that was interesting was Grant Calcaterra. Now, before you give a grade, what was your grade on the first six? Um, I think it's a, it's a B. Okay. Grant Calcaterra, and I was reading up on him because I didn't know much about him other than he played for Oklahoma for a little bit. Yeah. He briefly retired from football due to concussions. Yeah. Finished off at SMU. Yeah. Played with Jalen Hurts. Yes, at Oklahoma. Now, the only concern I have there is the concussions. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a concern. That's probably, I mean, I, I'm pretty, I think that's why he dropped, actually. I'm pretty sure he was supposed to go higher. I'm pretty sure he was like a third or fourth round guy, um, talent-wise. But, yeah, he had that injury or, you know, concussion concern. Um, you know, I'm not too worried about it as long as he, you know, he works with uh, the Eagles doctors and everyone. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. I mean, last year, um, 
there was a guy who got drafted in the first round, Jalen Phillips. Um, he actually retired from football as well due to concussions. Um, and he went in the first round last year. So that just tells you how good of a player he is. But he was fine last year. He played played pretty well for the Dolphins last year. Um, so if he can, you know, do something similar, um, he's not going to be playing as much as the other guy. Um, he's going to be a backup. So, um, you know, he's probably going to be a second, third string, maybe fourth string. I mean, could be a practice squad. Who knows? I mean, it depends on how he plays in the training camp and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really worried about it. It's another, it's just another value pick. Um, like I said, he, he probably should have gone higher, but the injuries kind of made him fall a little bit. So, um, but the Eagles like him enough to take him, and I'm not really worried about it. Uh, yeah, he's got a lot of competition, you know. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Yeah. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Yeah, that's, yeah. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Mm. Richard Rogers. J.J. Mm. Ortega-Whiteside. Tyree Jackson. Dallas Goddard ain't going anywhere. Yeah. So... I think that, and now I want to get into the Jalen Hurts segment at this point. Uh, but the overall draft grade for you, where would you put this draft? I mean, I would give it uh, if you're including AJ Brown trade, which we are, then it's an A plus. I yeah, I I think this is the best draft that I've seen over the last fifteen years. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember a draft where I've been. Happy? Yeah. The entire time? Yeah. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm elated. So let's move on to the Jalen Hurts topic. With the weapons that they've garnered for him this year, with the trust that they've put in him, with acquiring A.J. Brown, who is admittedly Jalen Hurts' best friend, even late in the draft, acquiring some, a tight end who he played with. The Eagles have given Jalen Hurts every single weapon to succeed now. Yep. He took them to the playoffs last year. What is and what should be the ambition for this team moving forward? I mean, there's going to be high expectations, man. There just is. And when you When you go out and you go out and sign a guy like Hassan Reddick, in free agency, you know, you, you, you bring back Fletcher Cox, you have Brandon Graham coming back, you draft Jordan Davis, you trade for A.J. Brown, you have Devontae Smith back. I mean, there's going to be there's going to be high hopes for this team, man. Um, but it, it rides mostly on Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, he's got to come out and make improvements from what he did last year. And again, you know, we, we've talked about his kind of deficiencies and what he needed to work on and arm strength, uh, you know, they're, they're fixable problems. Um, so, you know, accuracy, another one, um, decision-making is another one. Um, so running out wide and throwing it immediately to the cornerback. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, all these things are, are fixable and uh you know we we know he puts in the work it's just got he's got to come out and be the guy with two wide receivers that have all pro potential every single year young yep. receivers that have all pro potential 
if see, and this is going back to last year's problems as well. The vision, the being able to read through every single option quickly and efficiently. I know it's not going to happen every single time. Things happen very quickly in football. The pocket can collapse. But you still have to keep an eye on the entire field. A.J. Brown's able to get open anyway. Devontae Smith is able to get open anyway. If they're missed all year, that's going to be a problem going forward. Yep. So at this point, he's won the, Jalen Hurts has won the job. It's his job to lose now, officially. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. But this is the year that he has to take that step rather than just play good enough. Yep. All right. And that closes draft talks. We won't get in the huddle unless a crazy signing happens or another trade, but I doubt that. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, veteran releases are coming up, so you might see some guys that become available, like a corner or safety possibly. I heard James Bradbury might get released by the Giants. So there's... I heard that to be rumored as well today. So, you know, it's not like we're going to go out there and play with no quarterback number two. I mean, I'm sure Howie's doing his thing and keep an eye on the on the guys that are going to get released and guys who are still free agents at this point. So, I mean, we didn't sign Steve Nelson until late, until I think training camp was about to start. We signed Steve Nelson. So, you know, this is not the end of uh, of signings or potential trades. I, I think the trades are over, but uh, you're going to see some guys get signed still. So, All right. Let's break the huddle. And now we get into the bitter part. Boo. Look, let, let's, let's first talk. So... What is Doc Rivers' insistence on starting DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins? Jesus Christ, DeAndre <laughs> Jordan, dude. Well, that that news too. For getting no, suspended six games, that blew up my fantasy keeper league for work. Yeah, um, DeAndre Jordan is terrible. Yeah, he's bad. And again, I hate to keep ragging on the guy. He's washed. He's not boxing out. Doc Rivers in a press conference said he was making he was getting some rebounds for us earlier. He had two rebounds in 17 minutes. Yep. I'm pretty sure Paul Reed had nine and like 12. Well, that's another thing. I mean, if you're if you're playing Paul Reed sooner, then he gets more game experience and he's probably ready for the playoffs. But in, instead, you played DeAndre Jordan for way too long. And now we're forcing Reed out there when he has barely any game experience. So, Exactly. And a lot of these problems come from the unwillingness of Doc Rivers to play these young guys earlier and overly being loyal to veterans. If, And I, I want you to hear me out. If the whole Ben Simmons saga didn't happen, and I'm sure I'm not the minority in the opinion here, 
there was no shot we saw the emergence of Tyrese Maxey this year. Definitely, for sure. Doc's hand was forced with that. Yeah. And he took the opportunity, and he made himself a staple of the offense, thank God. Yep. The thing that continues to baffle me, and I've talked to you about this off the mic, if even before uh, Charles Bassey had his shoulder injury, if he had playing experience throughout the year, whether it was even eight minutes a game, that's more than nothing. Yeah. You need to get these young guys experience. You need to let them work out the kinks. Yep. Paul Reed, the biggest problem with him is that he falls for every single pump fake. And if he played more during the year, do you think he'd be falling for as many pump fakes and getting as many fouls so early? I doubt it. Exactly. It's it's a conundrum, too. And then you have Doc Rivers come out in the press conference and say, we're going to start DeAndre Jordan, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Look, there comes to be a point where no matter how much you or the players on the team respect a guy's voice in the locker room, like a guy because he's been around and has good advice for you, I'm not saying DeAndre Jordan doesn't have any value whatsoever because he has been around for so long. Yeah. But in that position, no. It's it's detrimental to your team. When you see the lineup go small and put Tobias at the five, the, the offense seemed to flow. It looked good. They were getting shots off. They were being aggressive. They were driving. They were shooting. Everything looked good, even the missed shots. Yeah. Even when you had Paul Millsap in there for, what, about almost six minutes in the second? He didn't play amazing, but he held his own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, go, like I, said, I mean, I, I was telling Ryan this during the game as well. Going small doesn't – it's not detrimental to you defensively. Like, Bam Adebayo is a great player, don't get me wrong. But he's only about 6'9", 6'10", at, at, at the biggest – I mean, Harris is 6'8", 6'9", as well. So, you know, I mean, again, Adebayo is a great player. But you can get away with putting Harris at the five. I mean, that's their biggest player. I mean, Dwayne Debbins, I mean, taller, but he's not he's not as good of a player as Adebayo is. Um, so The thing when you play small, you just have to accept the fact that you're going to let up some shots. But yeah. on the offensive side, it gives you the opportunity to – drive the lane, open up shots on the sides, open up the wings, pull the defenders in. There's just so much going on. It, it, the ball movement looked better. And then yeah, they were just they getting went, back us. When and they went big. They were just, it just looked bad. They were settling. And when, when this team is aggressive, it's hard to stop them on both ends. On offensively, if they're aggressive, they're they're borderline unstoppable. If James Harden is aggressive and driving to the basket, he's phenomenal. If Tyrese Maxey's driving to the basket, he's faster than the speed of sound. If Ty if Tobias Harris is driving to the basket, he's getting fouled. He's hitting tough shots. Defensively, 
they just they weren't getting rebounds either. Miami was just feeding on the offensive glass. You cannot give this team second opportunities. And on some occasions, third and fourth opportunities. You gotta you gotta rebound. You have to. If they miss a shot, get the rebound. They're a physical team. They're just like the Raptors. They're physical. They get second chance points. That's what and then they kick it out to their shooters like Tyler Hero or Kyle Lowry when he's healthy. Or Duncan Robinson, even though he didn't play game one. I don't know why, but he didn't. Or Max Struess, who came out of nowhere. Or Gabe Vincent, who comes out of nowhere. I mean, they just they get they have these guys that they develop and they're phenomenal all of a sudden. And that's I, I'm you know, you gotta give them the credit, but you know, that's what they do. You know, they they shoot the three ball really well. They play great defense and they're physical. And you got to be and in the playoffs, especially you got to be physical. You got to out muscle them. You got to outwork them. Because that's how they're going to beat you. And they did. You know, I've been reading a lot. I've been listening to a lot of radio and I want to hear your opinion on this, too. And. The whole time, too, we talked about how good of a coach Eric Spolstra is. Yeah. The fact that he's willing to give guys like Max Struess last year when he was first coming up playing time yeah, to develop their game, that's exactly what we just talked about with Doc Rivers not doing. Yep. They were able to work out their kinks, and that's how they built their depth. Yep. We don't have depth because we're not willing to give these young guys an opportunity. Exactly. If you build through the draft and I, I at Paul Reed's draft, I just remember thinking, wow, we had a really good draft. That's awesome. But I never see them out there ever. So, yeah. Uh, Shake Milton really hasn't done much. Our bench has been bad the entire series and by entire series i mean entire playoffs rather yeah uh if we don't get mb back by game three i don't see this going well and there's nothing really i can say i mean i said it from the beginning if they get they got to steal one in miami and they didn't they didn't do it in game one obviously uh, this game, too, is going to be big for them. Uh, Miami is not going to let you try and take a game, but you got to outwork them. You got to outplay them. You got to outmuscle them. And we'll see what happens. They, they got to be aggressive. They can't take their foot off the gas pedal. And, uh, yeah, if you steal one here, then it's going to make your life a lot easier when your superstar comes back. I agree with you. I, I think that I'm I'm more worried that, like we saw in the last game, Doc's going to implement these different rotations that work and switch from man to zone and then just not do it in the second half. I don't know what happened, man. What yeah. What happened? Why stop doing what's working? And it's not even if as if they went out there 
with the same strategy and the heat had adjusted. They didn't even attempt it again. Yeah. That's my biggest thing. If the Heat adjusted to it and just destroyed the Sixers, eh, you took your shot. Whatever. But when you have an effective strategy, you should at least utilize it. <laughs> and then you didn't even do that. So. Yeah. I mean, wait, listen, we knew this series was going to be tough. But it's a series, in my opinion, that they can still win. You know, not, I mean, I'm not taking any way thing, anything away from Miami, but this is a team that, in my opinion, you still can beat in a seven-game series. Look, so. if Embiid is healthy and in there, I think that game goes a lot differently. Oh, well, sure, of course. I mean, Miami plays a way different game. The Sixers play a way different game. It, it's, it's, it, it would be night and day on what Embiid you know, brings to a, to a game. Um, but you know, he's not out there. So you have to adjust, you have to make plays and you know, your, your guys have to be, have to be aggressive. Harden's got to be aggressive. Maxie's got to be aggressive. Harris needs to continue to be aggressive. Uh, we got to hit our open shots and it's just something that we didn't do in game one. (laughs) For the most part. And, you know, I, I do have to say, shout out to former Sixer J.J. Redick for being the only person on uh, ESPN with some common sense uh, that didn't just immediately jump to some ridiculous hot take. And he, he came out and said the same thing that we're saying right now. And he even said that DeAndre Jordan is a dear friend of his. Yeah. But at this point, he should not be starting and playing as much. It's it's obvious to everyone who's watching the game, except Doc. That's the most irritating part about Doc, probably to the Philadelphia fan base, as well as the media, on top of him just completely disrespecting everyone in the media. It's the same thing like Howie Roseman did. I mean, we talked about Howie Roseman earlier. It's the same thing. He's I mean, how he's been more open with the media lately. Everyone, yeah, well, I'm talking like before. Like everyone knew that the Eagles should have taken Justin Jefferson. Everyone, except Howie Roseman. Same thing. Everyone knows that DeAndre Jordan should not be playing, except Doc Rivers. Well, he essentially had to be bullied into playing Paul Reed as much as he did last series. And even then, he said he's not going to give it the Paul Reed victory tour. So, whatever. Uh, I just don't think that it's – I don't think that it's feasible to play DeAndre Jordan as much as he's been playing one. Two, when when you see him out there, what's he doing? I don't see him boxing out. I don't see plays being made. I saw one cool dunk that was a lob from Harden. And then it didn't happen again. Yeah. And, you know, the best part about us making these criticisms right now is he could come out the next game and shut me up. 
Yeah, well. But I doubt it. Yeah, I don't think that's. I mean, he could, but I doubt it. Like, highly doubt it. Well. Like, I've never been more sure, more sure of something in my life. Yep. So, there's that. <sighs> this is tough, man. This is tough. <sighs> yeah. I have a shirt that says bad things happen in Philadelphia with a bunch of stuff listed from 2020. Uh, if they come out with the, the same shirt. You should get that updated. Yeah. I, 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 should I just buy iron on letters and iron on? Just write it on a just write it on a marker, like with a marker or something. And beat injury. I need a bigger shirt, though. You're gonna <laughs> so. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I think we have the, – the next time we record is either going to be just us complaining the entire time or us in the middle of a – what, probably – would they play – no, it would not, it'd be either be a 2-2 series or us crying. Um. Yeah, well, if the series goes long enough, then they play next Monday as well. So we, if they, if they're still in the series, then we will be recording on Tuesday, again. Yeah. So, but if they get swept, then we don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Right, because then they play tomorrow, then they would play Friday, and then Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, so either you'll hear us Tuesday morning crying, or Wednesday morning. Sad, probably, but maybe happy. Neutral, maybe neutral. neutral. Dep- depending on how the other games go, neutral. I'm hoping and beach be back by then, though. Either way, you pray, I pray, well, we pray. Oh, we all pray. Yeah. But all right, uh, that's all I got. I, I don't want to talk Phillies right now because I'm a little Philly too sucks. into the Sixers. Uh, they would relax. Sorry, Phillies. They just lost the Rangers. <laughs> okay. Uh, I do want to talk about the dead baseballs. Nobody's hitting. Um, Why would the MLB do that? I miss the juice balls. Look, just juice them up. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, you want more entertainment, don't you? You would think. More home runs. Isn't Let there a way to just medium the ball so that they do what they're supposed to? Not just saying. Let Aaron Judge hit 70 home runs. Who cares? It looks like they're hitting a clincher softball. Records are meant to be broken, okay? I want to see uh, Aaron Judge or Mike Trout break Mark McGuire's record. I want to see Shohei Otani do it. Uh, that too. I don't care. I don't care who it is. Bryce Harper, I, I don't care. I want to see Otani hit 60, and I also want to well, see like, him have a sub-2-5 ERA. Except if it's a Mets player. Like, I don't want Pete Alonzo or Francisco Lindor or anyone on the on the Mets. Or the Braves. Because I hate the Mets. Oh, and the Braves, yeah. Uh, and the Nationals and the Marlins, because, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, and the well, Marlins, because they kill us for some reason, but, you know. I mean, the Marlins have Jazz Chisholm, which is a shame, because he's an entertaining player that has to be hated. 
and it's on the Marlins. It has to be hated. Right. So. Well, yeah. can Max Scherzer leave this freaking division, by the way? You know, he hasn't lost a game between, what is it, three teams? No, he was on the Nash. No, he, he hasn't lost since his last two games, since before his last two games on the Nationals. He was on the Nationals for years, by the way, wins a championship, and then gets traded to the Dodgers. I'm like, okay, good. He's out of the division. And then comes back with the Mets. Yeah. Like, go away. There are f- five other divisions that you can go to. Right? Yep. I did math right. Good. But yeah, okay. Yeah, there's six divisions. Yep. Like, go somewhere else. I've had enough of you. <laughs> or just retire at this point. Just just do what every good pitcher late in their career does. Go to the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Play golf. Madison Bumgarner's there, dude. Uh, Madison Bumgarner is going out and playing golf. Craig, he went there, even though he's still playing. He's in the Royals now. He's Go there. The Royals again. Yeah. Go to the Royals. What's that going to hurt? Nothing. Nothing at all. Go to the White Sox. Bad. They're up and coming. Yeah, you'll make bank, dude. Yeah, but see, the problem is, and I think the reason that John Middleton stepped up was because Steve Cohen does not care about money whatsoever, and he's just going to spend Yeah, well, he needs to stop. Yeah, I don't think it's going to. <sighs> We're going to be disappointed again, aren't we? I don't know. Uh, we've reached our destination for the day. We'd like to thank you for listening to the Philly Bandwagon Podcast. Go to oh. phlsportsnation.com for all your Philly sports wants, needs, and desires. Go to the podcast tab. Go to the PHL Bandwagon. You can find us on Spotify there. You can also find us on Anchor, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, wherever your podcasts are available, we're most likely there. If not, shoot us an email at phlbandwagon at gmail.com. Let us know where you want us to be at it, and we'll be we'll work our best to get on that platform. Um, we can also take mailbox requests if you want to shoot us an email, again, at phlbandwagon at gmail.com. Uh, ask us any questions you want to hear, and we'll talk about it. Uh, we'll talk about it on our recordings, and... Uh, we do shout out, so you go to Twitter, include your name, we got you. Just don't be mean, is the only rule. Uh, go to the Wig Shop. You can get your TBW merch, get a hoodie, get a hat, get a t-shirt, get a tank top. Summer's coming up, you know, sun's out, guns out. And you can follow us on Twitter at the PHL Bandwagon. You can follow me at PHL Ryan Michaels. You can follow Chip at PHL Chip Tiernan. You can follow us on Facebook at the PHL Bandwagon. Instagram, uh, maybe, maybe someday. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. What do you think is going to happen first? The end of the world or us getting an Instagram? Uh, I can guarantee one thing that we will never get. TikTok. Yes. Yeah, that's not happening. I don't I don't find it fun. I don't know what, what the hype is about. It's like a longer vine. I don't get it. And maybe it's because I'm getting old. But... You're younger than me by a bit, and I don't think you use it either. I mean, you're right, but you are old. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Pushing 30, folks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am. Well, okay. He's not really, but in my little world that I created, 
anyone who's 27 and above is pushing 30. So it, it, this is just Chip's excuse to be mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, got it. Now, see, I would think if you're 29, you're pushing 30. No. But. 27 yeah. and up. Okay. All and then right. once you're 30, you're just, once you're 30, you're just dead. Oh, yeah, so you should go coffin shopping, essentially. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah, I mean, your life's pretty basically over at that point, so, I mean, not really. Oh, not you really. heard him, folks. Uh, we've reached our I'm destination. Dead 30, folks. We'll see you at the next stop at the coffin shop. Go birds. <laughs>